Today's episode of Tyson Tate is brought to you by Discover. With prices soaring at the pump, Discover has your back with cash back. Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations at Target now through June on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with the Discover It card. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, Jason Tatum might be him, Tate. I don't know. I have confl- I'm have i getting conflicting reports. So on the one hand, the Boston Celtics, uh, as we have extensively covered on this podcast, this is the only podcast this is talk- that's talking about this, Tate, that the Boston yep. Celtics are in the NBA Finals. You will yep. not hear... Put your um, sixes up right now, Celtics fans. Your sixth championship in one postseason. I've never yes. seen anything like it. Amazing. We have... We have been on the forefront of Boston Celtics talk on this show, um, and we 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 are the one podcast that's pointed out that they they win the title many times over this postseason. <laughs> uh, they have they have yet again won the NBA championship, uh, beating the Miami Heat in Game Seven. Um, and and for that reason, you might you might think Jason Tatum is him, but mm-hmm. I got to talk to you about this text message that he is sharing on Instagram. And <laughs> and, and you are a text message expert. Like, you know when to share a message, when it can get aggregated. That's so true. Like, That's true. We are going to defer to you as a text message true. expert on the show. As a guy that has shared a text message. And uh, I, I will you walk you through. <laughs> <laughs> I will walk you through the mindset that, that, that goes through before you hit send on the, uh, on the tweet and the Instagram post when you're sharing a private text message. <laughs> With an NBA player. At least my NBA player was alive. <laughs> hey, and at least you had blue bubbles. You know what I mean? That's the good yes. news. You had a response. Uh, also, I want to talk to you about Matt Meyer going to Illinois. Is this shocking yeah. to you? I I heard um, that Matt Meyer was taking offers, not visits. And okay. uh, congratulations to the Illini. The offer was successfully secured. Um, it is the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Uh, I went to the Indy 500 this weekend. I am nursing a hangover that uh, I will probably be nursing throughout the rest of the week. Uh, Tate is still in North Carolina. I assume doing the same. Um, yeah. And uh, we 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 watched a lot of sports this week, Tate. But uh, we also a great weekend of sports. I mean, it, 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 there was great games all over the place, minus the game seven that we will actually talk about. But yeah, I mean, Indy 500 was great. I want to hear your story about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like great golf that we had on Sunday. We had great soccer. I mean, I guess if you're a Liverpool fan, not great, but it was interesting at least. Yep. And you know, we got a lot of lots to talk. About. I uh, I was watching the uh, I, I I shit United. It felt good to be back in Indiana uh, with my with my dad, who will just throw any sports on the television because yeah. at one point we were watching the college girls ultimate frisbee championship between the colorado Respect. i don't even remember what they were called it's not even like it, they're not even tied to the university it was like the colorado storm versus the north carolina fury or something you know he's like aau team <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were watching it on espnu and i was like it's good to be back it made me feel like i was like seven years old again just flipping through the channels trying to find I like to think Live that's sports. what the Helms Foundation does now. They actually crown yeah. those national champions. We got, I got a Helms update for you. Too. Oh, yeah. I can't there, there's a lot to get to. We will get to it. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate, what are we starting with? Uh, do, do, do we want to start with Game 7? No. 
No, because I mean, I think a lot of people actually decided to remove themselves from watching Game 7. I think they had been so jaded and hurt in the series by the basketball and the replay reviews. And like you said, all the Boston Celtics banter about, you know, we did it again. We are champions of the world. Um, it is the 1980s. Like all of that fodder and the Miami Heat culture. I mean, you know, Mike Breen wasn't even there for Game 7. He was like, I don't even want to be here. He decided to sit out of this one. Um, but in general, I think we could start with the Indy 500. That, to me, was the real sporting event. The, of the Indy weekend. 500? The real, the real Game 7 of the weekend. Yeah, because I, I watched, Titus. Did and, you? And, and you, had some, you had some great calls in our last episode that I wanted to point out. Jimmy Johnson. I was excited. I'm not a Jimmy Johnson fan, but I was excited. I was pulling for him. I like rookies. So I want to yeah. talk about the Indy 500. I want yeah, to hear you. Jimmy Johnson led one lap. It was more of like a pit um, jockeying situation that he led yeah. the lap. Like he should have. Uh, it's not that he should have, but like I, I, the guys that were on the same pit strategy as him go into the pits. He, he, uh, you know, a lot of guys would have also gone into pits because it was their time to go into pits. He decided he to stay out for one lap so that way I can lead a lap yeah. of Indy 500. Lap 190, he was like, yeah. I, okay, you guys take your break. I will keep going. And, and, that, and that works, by the way, because uh, fast, like I was going to say, like, fast forward 10 years. For God's sakes, fast forward ten days from now, if you you'll, Jimmy Johnson could get in front of a camera and be like, "I led a lot. I led towards the end of the Indy 500. I was in first place." Yeah, and, and it would work on me. I'd be like, "Oh my God, that's right. He almost won the race." <laughs> not only that, he's <laughs> he not almost won the race. He helped his teammate win. You know that what I mean? That is true. If yeah. Anything, he shaked and baked. You know what yeah. I mean? That was a nice Cal Nauton Jr. <laughs> nod right there. He was like, "I'm gonna get Marcus Erickson to the top." So yeah, I respect uh, it. And then he almost he almost ruined it though because then he got a crash, brings out the red flag, <laughs> yes. uh, and M Marcus Erickson's lead shrinks. They got to do the restart. Um, no man, it was awesome because uh, it was. This is the first we didn't. I didn't really talk about this in the preview uh, that much. Um, but I, one thing I, I forgot to mention was that this was the first race in three years that, that had a full crowd and had like the full vibes and the full traditions and like uh, the the race for me is is. I do love the race. There are a lot of people that go to the race every year that don't necessarily care about the cars and who got first and, you know, who almost yeah. won and all that kind of stuff. They're just there for the party or to be outside, whatever it is. I do care about the race, but on top of that, uh, there is the party tape, but then there's the, the traditions of, uh, you know, it's Memorial day weekend and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, memorial type stuff. They play taps. They play the God bless America, America, the beauty, nice. any, they basically do like the, the national anthem power rankings and they go through and they play them. And, and yeah. I really feel like we should the have the last song that they play is party in the USA. by my <laughs> yeah. That's as far as they'll go. We should have, we should have all of Congress come to the Indy 500 and watch the reactions <laughs> to all the patriotic songs and decide which one should be the actual national anthem. Cause they play Ooh. America, the beautiful, they play God bless America. They do the national anthem. They squeeze in back home again in Indiana, which is not so much national. I would argue that's probably more Indiana, but uh, people go nuts for it. Yeah, you got to consider it. <laughs> got to. Got to. Um, so th there's all of that, and uh, th just you know, being around all of that again and seeing the flyover after I saw Top Gun, which I want to talk to you about as well. Ooh. Oh my god, that movie is that melted my face. I haven't face. seen it yet. Me, me, and my mom were gonna go, but uh, I think it, it didn't work out timing wise. So I'm gonna go when I get back. Uh, Dude, I'll Los go Angeles. with you again. I'll go. I'll go see that movie a hundred times. Um. But but be, being back in the infield, man, and seeing uh, uh, just the full crowd, and it was it was the big this I, I what I was told was this was the second biggest crowd they've had. Uh, Twenty sixteen was a hundredth race that sold out, which is impossible because the infield can fit. I was told the infield could fit an infinite amount of people. Twenty sixteen on the hundredth race, we found out that, that is not true, and they capped it and they stopped selling tickets. Um, right. 
So this one didn't sell out, but I was told that this was the second biggest crowd uh, in the last like 25 years with 2016 being number one. Um, and it was awesome, man. It was a great day. There, there's this group of uh, Buckeyes. So in 2010, um, I, I think I wrote, when I was doing my blog still, I, I, I wrote an article. I wrote something on my blog about how I love the Indy 500. I'm going. This is my senior year of college. Um, we're gonna, we, we took two kegs that year. Uh, I, I threw one of them over the fence, which is literally a felony, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope. Uh, I think the statute of limitations is bad. Twelve yeah. years. Let's cut that part. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was an awesome time, and uh, these these this group of dudes that went to Ohio State showed up, and and they were like, Titus, we're here because of you. Like we read that you love this thing. We we've all been following you throughout your. We're, we're about your age. Um, we come to this race because you said to come. We we came to check it out. And oh my God, this is insane. Uh, we, we can't believe this party. And I was like, Oh man, that's that's cool. I. I, I never tell anybody you have to like the race. What I try to tell people, Tate, is that it's unlike anything you've ever experienced in sports, whether you like it or don't. Like, I want everyone to go experience it. And then I've had friends that go and they're like, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, the, the motto of the Indy 500 is the greatest spectacle. Spectacle. In yeah. You know what I mean? And like I just that, want. And it's a spectacle. We got to get you there because I want everybody to see go. the spectacle. And if you go and you're like, this isn't for me, I don't take that person. I'm like, I get it, man. I just wanted you to actually experience it because I think a lot of people go to like, you know, they'll go to like a Watkins Glen race or something. They're like, no, I've seen race. And I'm like, shut up. That's not just come to the Indy 500 one time. So these guys came to eight. And the reason I'm telling this story is that the next year at the Indy 500, I don't talk to these guys. I don't get their number. I don't, you know, I don't even know their names. I'm at, I'm intern three. It's the same group of dudes. And they're like, Titus, we, we, we <laughs> shotgun a beer. We do whatever. That's 2011. Yeah. I, every single year I've seen these guys. I, I do not have their numbers. I do not talk to them ever. <laughs> we just show up at turn three. They come over with a beer. We, we like give each other a hug. We all shotgun our beers. We high five. We take a group picture and then we go about our business. <laughs> so it has been three years since we've been in the infield 2020. Yeah. The race got pushed uh, to the fall 2021. There was no infield. They, they had, they had uh, people sitting in the stands, but the infield didn't exist. So I didn't come back for it. And then this year, three years later, uh, I have not talked to these guys in three years. I've not seen these guys in three years. I'm sitting there minding my own business, lap 112 or something, just watching the race, sipping on a Coors Light. And I see these 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 dudes that have a little more gray in their hair than they used to. Maybe their waistline's a little bit bigger. And they're coming up and they're just like, Titus, we knew we'd see you. And I was like, oh, I almost started crying. I was like, this is unbelievable. I have no idea who these guys are outside of the Indy 500. Yeah. And for 12 years, I have seen these guys at every single race. And um, to experience that was really cool. So that that's that's my one story from the race is like that that like gets the juices flowing. And uh, the race was awesome. And um, and and the other thing I was gonna say about the race too, I guess, is that uh, the tradition in our family is we go to the race. It is blacked out in Indy. They don't show it live in Indianapolis on the broadcast because they want everyone to go. Um, so they air it at 8 p.m. that night. And every year we go to the race, we come home and we rewatch it because you can't – there's stuff you, you want to – you're like, you know, I remember that uh, – It's always different to be in the building yeah. or at the sporting event versus watching it on TV, yeah. Like Renus VK starts third in the race. He get, he crashes early. You know, at the track, you kind of know he crashed. You kind of sort of – people are talking, and some people have, like, headphones, and they heard what happened, and other, but you're just kind of, like, trying to piece together what the hell happened. So we're like, we want to go home. We want to see what happened to Renus VK. We want to see what happened to Scott Dixon when he went into the pits. How fast was he going and, and cost him the race, all that stuff. So we go rewatch it. Uh, uh, one of my friends is with me. It's their first Indy 500. They, they, they point out, um, hey, 
isn't isn't game seven Celtics heat on at the exact same time that you guys want to watch this race that we just saw? And I was like, yeah, it is. But guess what we're going to watch? We're going to rewatch the race because that's what we yeah. do. That's an NBA problem that you're putting game seven on. That's not a me problem. Like I'm not I'm not adjusting. It's race day. Yeah, it's race day. God damn it. Like I'm not I don't I don't give a damn about game seven NBA. And the fans that the NBA wants to cater to. Right. They're all watching the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, they so were already they're watching. Always, yeah, yeah. They're also a part of race day. So it yeah. was a, it was a full race day, uh, and it had nothing to do with basketball. And I love to hear that. I think that yeah. checks out. So uh, anyway, I guess that's my my other way of saying I didn't watch Game 7 because I was watching with my father. We were re-watching uh, the, the Indy 500, and um, it just felt good to be back, man. It's been – it's, it's you know, not to, not to remind everybody about the last three years we've gone through as society, but there's still, like I, – I guess that's kind of – that's why it hit me is because like you kind of in your mind have been way past this part of, of you know, you've kind of, I, I think I've already processed COVID and I've already got through like, you know, the, 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 the stuff we missed, Dog days. we now have it back. Yeah. Like the, you kind of already gotten through all that. And then I came to the Indy 500. I was like, there was one more thing. I forgot to process this one. <laughs> and I was there and, uh, and it trust was awesome. Yeah trust, yeah. trust the process. So we got to get you, we, we, you, Jim and Kyle and, and me are going next year. And um, like I said, I don't know, if, I don't know how much you guys will love it, but uh, Jim will wear jeans. It'll be 98 degrees. Jim will wear jeans and then he'll blame me for how hot it is. And we'll yeah. I'll never hear the end of it. And I'm like, it's so hot. Why don't I wear Fact. jeans? And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, Jim, maybe you shouldn't have wore jeans. And he's like, well, yeah. you gotta, wait, what am I going to wear shorts? Am I a farmer? <laughs> I'm not wearing shorts. Yeah, I I will say this. I think the best version of myself is spectate. You know what I mean? Like I think that when I go there and I can spectate and I can people yeah. watch and I can soak up. Oh, there's the people watching. I am yeah. I'm gonna have a good time. I don't like to dictate. I do a lot of dictating Dude, on the would, podcast, but I can spectate all. There day. is a so the Snake Pit is this concert that they do that uh, they have. Steve, uh, so who's the guy from? Is it Black Eyed Peas? Steve Aoki is that his name? He's not from Black Eyed Peas. He's a what's DJ. he from? <laughs> He's just a DJ. Will I am. Will I am. Who's what? Who? who <laughs> no, for real. Is it? Is he in Black Eyed Peas? What? How do I? How do I know Steve Aoki? Who is Steve Aoki? Is a DJ, and his dad actually. You know Benihana, like the restaurant. Yeah. Like his dad is the man who started Benihana, and then Steve Aoki is his son, and his son Steve Aoki is a famous DJ. And, Are you serious? Uh, yes, and he probably, I mean, has done songs with the Black Eyed Peas. Like Who's I'm sure in the Black Eyed Peas. The That's, Black Eyed Peas is uh, used to Will be I Fergie. Am Fergie, Fergie, Will I Am, and then the other guys. <laughs> the others, yeah. <laughs> That's the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Steve Aoki wasn't a Black Eyed Peas. I mean, he probably was on a couple. They, uh, the, the, I was going to say, the Snake Pit is this like uh, EDM uh, situation they have going on during the race. Um, <laughs> and we're walking by. It, it, it starts like at like 9 a.m. I mean, the, the race doesn't start till noon, but like people get in there like 6 a.m. To, to, you know, the, the gates open at six and people started shaking out their spots and uh the concert part starts at nine so we got there at like 9 30 not at the concert part but we're walking around um walking around the infield a little bit and i hear on the from the concert that steve aoki has brought six cakes and the place goes nuts because i and then someone explains to me that he throws cake into the crowd and like it's like some sort of like everyone's tripping balls so much that like there's like a sensory overload when you get caked by steve aoki <laughs> and I'm having this explained to me, and uh, I'm just like, How I've never felt so old in my life. Um, he wasn't even the headliner because he's going, he's on at like 9 30, 10 a.m., whatever. I, I, but um, later in the day, uh, Greg Odin, our, our oh, buddy, our, our third co host of the program, 
Um, yeah. he has a suite somewhere in turn two. He says, of course he does. Then he goes, he goes, where are you? He's texting me. I'm like, Greg, I'm in turn three every year. Like I'm a man of the people. I'm, I'm salt of the earth, blue collar. Like I'm shotgunning beers with these dudes that I met 10, 12 years ago in turn three. That's how I have my race day experience. He's like, that's not for me. I'm in the suites. I'm a bougie bitch. You know, this yeah. Mark. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's cool, man. Well, I'm not coming to the suites. I'm in turn three. If you want to come see me, come to turn three. So instead of coming to turn three to where I was, Greg gets like a snake pit pass, goes to like the concert thing, and then texts me, and he's like, he's like in this VIP bottle service. (laughs) He's like in this bottle service area of the snake pit, and he's like, Uh, he's like, where are you, man? I'm here, and I'm like, you're not here. You're still doing your bougie bullshit. Like we're like we're (laughs) you're still still away from the people. Yeah, you're still away from the people. Um, but then I went and met him because I yeah I haven't seen Greg in forever, and I was like, yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll 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 go see Greg. I'll pop over real quick and see Greg. And he, he, he gets me into the snake pit. And uh, part of the reason I'm, I'm telling this story is you step into that world. There's like this little, the, the little concert thing. that's like sort of fenced off. Um, but they, they, they have all these scoreboards around the, the venue of, you know, showing footage of the rate, like live footage, like a jumbotron, you know, and they, yeah. they have the standings of who, you know, what lap we're on, all that kind of stuff. You get into the snake pit. Um, all of the, all of the scoreboards are like covered. And and the, the the sounds are like muffled by Steve Aoki's nonsense, whatever he's playing, and 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 asking people how who wants cake, and, and you know the people are going crazy. You have no idea where you're at on planet Earth. It is it was wild to be in there because you would have had no idea there's a race going on, and it was like I was stepping into another realm. And uh, I I just say that to say like even if you don't like racing, I don't know, maybe that's your thing. Maybe you, you do a little acid and you go to the snake pit and you don't even have to, you don't even have to know race is going on. Just ask Steve Aoki to cake you and you'll have a good time, I guess. I don't know. I will say I was going to ask you, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot, but I was going to ask you what the snake pit was because I had seen a, a few people like tweeting about being in the snake pit and it just seemed like what they were talking about it's, seemed very foreign to what I expected from the Indy 500 experience, which I... Like, I'm happy to hear that. It's like Coachella going on inside the racetrack. Like the racetrack, the one thing that nobody understands until you go there is how big the racetrack is. It is, it is absolutely massive. When you drive by, I mean, it literally, it's like, it just keeps going and going. Yeah. So they have this whole concert inside the track during the race and all the people that are in the, it's, it's packed. Like that concert was packed. And no one in there has any idea what lap we're on, that there's a race going on, that there's anything else. They think it's just the uh, show, the snake pit. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, what do you mean the race is going on? What, what, what I'm, I'm saying, Dave, <laughs> we're going to go next year. Uh, I'm, I'm going to post up where I always post up in turn three. Um, and, and Jim's going to disappear. And then with like six laps left, Jim's going to show back up with cake all over his face and be like, yeah. what did I miss? <laughs> yeah. He was just like in the Dos Equis lounge uh, with Greg Oden yeah. and he got caked by Steve Aoki. <laughs> I got cake all over my jeans, man. <laughs> It was sick though. It was sick. Though. <laughs> anyway, that was the Indy 500. Uh, shout out to Marcus Erickson. He's a uh, formula. Yeah, for, former Formula One guy. He's a Swedish dude that won. Which, uh, which I said in the the going into the weekend, Tate, that that people of Indy they don't like it when the the new Europeans win. But then it is it is funny because like he, he crosses the finish line and every uh, I, people people I were around were like Erickson, come on, dude. Like what? Damn it! Like because Tony Kanaan finished third and he was like sort of right there and as we said jimmy johnson led a lap and some people in the infield didn't realize it was like a pit deal they just looked up with like 12 laps left or whatever saw jimmy that was me that was me at home i was like i just called this i was like jimmy johnson's leading the race yeah (laughs) um 
Connor Daly led a lot of laps. He's from right. Indy, and he's yeah, he's, I like Connor Daly. He's a huge hometown favorite. So uh, Marcus Erickson wins, and and as as we always do, we're like, I don't, I've never heard of this guy because he's never won the race. If you've won the Indy 500, we heard of you. If you haven't, you have to be from Indy. That's about it. Those are the only people we've heard of. Are those mm-hmm. from Indy? And those that have won before. Um, that's not true. I'm simplifying it. Uh, but Erickson wins. There's like a ah, damn it. And then by the time Erickson does, like he goes, he, he puts on the wreath, he drinks the milk, he does the whole thing. Then he gets in the pace car and you do a victory lap and all, and like all the fans stick around and wave at him and all that. And by the time he comes around, I mean, he might as well have been Tony Kanan or Connor Day. Like the place is just going crazy. They're like, that's <laughs> yeah. our guy. And next year, at next year's race, Marcus Erickson is going to be the fan favorite and everyone's going to cheer for him to win. Cause that's just like, we're, there's, there's not a bigger group of front runners on planet Earth than any 500 fans because you just like cheer for the names you know. And now we know Marcus Erickson's name. We'll cheer for him next year. Yeah, I saw that he was the second Swede to ever win it, and it was also like he had a great quote about like the drivers, like th- this is a driving you know league being in the Indy 500, which was a yeah. nice little shade to the the Formula oh, yeah, One, crowd, which is basically you know about the money spent on the cars and things like that. And Ferrari had a tough weekend, so it's kind of funny when you think about it in that retrospect, but. I like Erickson, and I like the way he chugged the milk, and I like the way that he leaned into it. You know, like the way that you're describing it, it looked like that on TV. It looked like yeah. he was having a great time, and you know, he got Americanized. We we took him in. Yes. He heard "God Bless America," and and he was started singing it. and We were like, "That's our guy." That's our guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not work. Um, no, it was it was a great day. I I I I also like I've I've had this internal. We talked about it on the show the fight with the Formula One people. Like I've just had this internal. I I still am losing my mind at the people that started watching the. Uh, the Netflix series a year ago, and now yeah. we're trying to explain racing, what open wheel racing is to me. Not me specifically, but I'm just kind of living my life and logging on to twitter.com. And then I see people that are like, all right, so there's four wheels on every race car. And what they do is they turn and and what you're trying to do. And I'm, I, and I want to blow my brains out seeing like yeah. all these, the condescension from the F1 people. It does seem even, like, yeah, a lot of people learned about F1 a year ago, but then they're trying to teach people a year later. What, what, yeah, and like, yes. you just learned. What do you like? Yeah, and, and it's been it's been slowly driving me crazy. And I got and, and I was going crazy like the morning of the Indy 500, seeing people tweeting about like Monaco, which they literally do not pass. Like you, you start like reading up on, if you know anything about Monaco, and I do, Tate, because I am a race fan and I've been following Monaco my whole life as well because it's, you know, I, I didn't need a Netflix show to teach me about racing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the Formula One people hate Monaco. It's it's a street track. They don't pass. They go slow as shit. Like it's it's it, there's prestige to it because it's like been around forever. But it's not a race that like anybody actually enjoys watching or participating in. Yeah. And so I'm seeing all these. It's like being in Monaco. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> and I'm seeing all these people. Like as I, I get to the track, I'm posted up just sipping beer like on Twitter, just kind of wasting time waiting for the track for the race to start. And people are tweeting about Monaco and I'm curious, like who's winning, what's going on, whatever. Um, but then I'm like, I, 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 part of me is like getting upset. Cause I, I know all these people aren't going to then watch the Indy 500. And I'm like, man, I wish you would just watch the Indy 500. I wish like if, if you enjoy Monaco, if any part of you is like this Monaco race is cool. And the Indy 500 is going to blow your face off. Like it, they're going 230 miles an hour for God's sake. Um, but then the race started, dude, and I got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to fight this fight anymore. Like, it's, I, I love what I love. I don't want to be a guy who's like, please like my sport. At the end of the day, the Indy 500 is the greatest thing. If, if you want to love Formula One, that's cool. Go love Formula One. 
I'll take my Indy 500. I'll be very happy with it. It is it is incredible. And uh, so the fight's over. I'm no longer fighting the Formula One people. They can there, have there's Formula no fight one. really to be had, but I always put it in the context of like, if you're an American sports fan in general, and if you watched SportsCenter growing up, like when the Indy 500 happened, you didn't even know that the Monaco Grand Prix, unless you really it, it knew what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, the way that it was always covered was like Indy 500. You might get Coca-Cola 600 or whatever yeah. also in there, but it was basically like the American sports audience was going to hear about the Indy 500 and it was like the, the greatest spectacle in racing I mean that's just what it right. was so I find it fascinating that now like I go to ESPN and like Grand, the Grand Prix was before the Indy 500 you know and it's like yes. wait what? Like, what what's going on here it's uh it's it's very very confusing to it, yeah. you say you're a race fan and you live in America and you watch the Monaco Grand Prix over the Indy 500 I I I, I don't say this lightly this is not going to sound like a joke people listening might laugh at what I'm about to say I, I honestly have zero respect for you as a human being I do <laughs> I do. If you say I am a race fan, I can't wait. I, and you're like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from America. Did you move to America? No, I was born and raised in America. My parents were born and raised in America. We are red, white, and blue coursing through our veins. Can't wait for Memorial Day weekend for the big race. And you're like, oh, are you more of a NASCAR Coca Cola 600 or are you more of an Indy 500 fan? You're like, neither. I watch Monaco. Mm. I have zero respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's like I get the None. money is in a global audience. I understand that. But at the same time, like let's let's keep some things uh, forward facing here. And on this yeah. program, we will. The Indy 500 yeah. will get the first. Look at this. Our, our first quarter of the show is all Indy 500 because that's how much we respect. Because well, it, it's like, it, again, I say like every time I talk to people, like moving to L.A. especially has made it worse. Like you, 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 you explain to people what the Indy 500 is. And they're like, what? So what is it? What? And they, they, they look at me, Tate, like I'm trying to explain playing the ISSAA 2A state basketball tournament. And they're like, wow, that's cool that you care, seem to care so much about this little niche thing you got going on. And I'm like, bitch, 400,000 people will be, this is the biggest sporting event in the world. Literally the biggest, that's not my yeah. opinion. That's a, that's you're, a, you're just going by facts, like, <laughs> and to make it for the the indie or the Monaco crowd, those are analytics. You know what I mean? Those you're are, just yeah, throwing yeah. analytics <laughs> at them. <laughs> And they can't handle the analytics. But uh, no, man, the fight, the fight's over. I, I don't need to. I don't need to convince anybody. I just want like people to. I. It's not a please like my like it or don't. I don't care. Next year, there's going to be three hundred fifty thousand people at the race. I'm going to have an awesome time. It doesn't matter if uh, if, if I convert anybody or I we, we win the the fight. It doesn't matter. It's it's going to be a great time. And it was a great time this year. And it was good to be back. And and that's it. So that that's basically my Memorial Day recap. Recap was uh, I went to I went to the new five hundred and I saw Top Gun. And boy, what a weekend it was. Quick break to talk about our friends at Coors Light. These days, it seems life forces us to be on all the time, but every now and then it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. I hope, I certainly hope the friends of the program had uh, had, had plenty of Coors Lights over the weekend. They had a long weekend and Memorial Day weekend. Summer is here unofficially, but also officially. It is Coors Light season. Check your coolers. If you do not see Blue Mountains, fix that immediately. Go get some Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. You know, people I've, – I've had some people make fun of Coors Light to me for this. They're like, the, what, the mountains turn blue? So you, you need to know when your beer is cold? Is that really that big of a deal? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. This has saved my life. This has maybe literally saved my life. There have been times I've been at bars. I've been served a Coors Light. The mountains aren't blue. I send that back. It is very helpful to know. How blue the mountains can get, Tate. It, it just goes down so much smoother when it's uh, when it's nice and cold. So get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Drizzle your instant cart by going to CoorsLight.com slash TNT. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Gold Colorado. 
And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Also want to talk about our friends at Roback. What can I say about these guys that I haven't already been saying for, for months now, Tate? Their, their, their gear is unbelievable. Their performance hoodies, their performance quarter zips, their performance polos. If you are a golfer, and there are a lot of golfers that listen to this show, Tate's a golfer. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm talking to you specifically. Uh, you want to look good on the golf course, but you also got to feel good. And, and that's very important as well. Go get Roback. Roback solves all of your problems. The performance polos are the only polos that I will wear on a golf course. You cannot find a better looking, better feeling performance polo. Even if you're not a polo guy, these polos are just too good to not throw on for a night out. Even their prints somehow keep getting better and better. You're not going to want to miss the prints for the summer. Go use code Titus on roback.com for a generous 20% off your first purchase through the end of this week. That's R H O B A C K.com 20% off polos, quarter zips and hoodies. I love those hoodies. Oh, my God. I love these Roback hoodies. I got three of them now. I got a third one. I'm excited. I'm building the collection. With code Titus, make sure to jump on the newly draft performance polos just in time for the summer. 20% off. Roback.com. Promo code Titus. Go do it right now. Finally, we are brought to you by our friends at IPVanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Go to IPVanish.com slash Titus and use promo code Titus and claim your 70% savings today. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com slash Titus. Back to Titus and Tate. We should probably talk about Let's talk game about game three. seven. I need you to explain to me what happened yeah. because uh, I, I, we, 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 I was checking the score. The Celtics seemed to be in total control. Um, then, then there was the end that the, the Heat go on 11-0 run or something. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to stop you right there because I, I got to get this off my chest. I should say this first. It was Sunday night. I was with all my family at the lake, right? They, they, they had come out. We had a nice little Memorial Day cookout, right? And everyone's like, all right, game seven's going to come on. We should probably watch that. Um, but we decided to pivot and watch Coach K's last game instead. We decided to watch <laughs> the final four. North Carolina Duke game with all my family. We had never all been in the same room. You know, like my aunt and my cousin and my brother and my mom were there, but my Uncle Tommy wasn't, my dad. You know what I mean? We had, we had never all watched the game together. So we sat around at the lake and uh, and watched uh, North Carolina make history. We watched Caleb Love hit the shot. So this is game seven is going on. We're all sitting around. We're watching, you know, Carolina had this great moment. Great night. Great night for sporting. You know, great night for the family. Great night for Carolina basketball. Hilarious in retrospect. All, all of the great feelings. Go from that, watching this great basketball game, to game seven. And it, the first quarter had just ended by the time we get done. It's 32 to, to 17, I believe. It's a 15-point game. The Celtics yeah. are up on the road at Miami. 
And I'm like, let's watch the last six minutes again. So me and my brother go back. We watch the last <laughs> six minutes. <laughs> we, we watch it run down again. <laughs> Oh and uh, and and then we get into to game seven and I mean it gets it, it became a good game as it got late. Jimmy Butler was great in this game and everything, but it was the most anticlimactic you know game seven I've ever been a part of. It was also one of those things where you could just see that the Boston Celtics were obviously already counting their chickens before they hatch. You know what I mean? They're up like thirteen points with three minutes to go in this game. Mm-hmm. Then Miami goes on a a furious run, eleven zero run. And really the moment, you know, of truth, so to speak, was Jimmy Butler in the world of analytics, as I, I was just joking about, Jimmy Butler decides that he is going to go for three instead of two on a, on a fast break. something that, you know, he probably would have never done five, six years ago, but he goes for the three. The three does not go in, you know, ricochets off, you know, Boston gets the rebound, game over, they win, they're celebrating, yada, yada, yada. But in general, just like... This moment in time, you would think, like, with that shot, with everything on the line, it would have been such a riveting game. But even then, Mark Titus, like, in that moment, all I could think about was the Carolina-Duke game and how great of a game it was. <laughs> and, uh, and I could never I could never get really fully locked into to the Game 7. I felt bad for Jimmy Butler. I felt bad for the Miami Heat. I've never seen a three-pointer wiped off the board. Uh, Max, I don't know if you saw this. So Max Struess. I saw um, people talking about it. I didn't, know, I didn't know what it was. Like he stepped out of bounds or something and they he, reviewed it. The, yeah, but it was like five minutes later in gameplay. So like Max Struess hit a three. Again, this is earlier in the game when they're down, you know, 15 points. It felt like the whole game, Miami was down 15. Then they cut it to single digits. You know, the Celtics would take a timeout. Then the Celtics would get up by 15. Miami goes on another run. They cut a single digits. Celtics take a time. You know what I mean? It was just that, that same back and forth all game. That same rhythm um but Struz, anyways he hit a three they wiped it off the board and if you were to add that three that got taken away because he quote unquote stepped out of bounds I think he did step out of bounds but I thought it was ridiculous that they wiped it so far you know yeah. later in the game but the shot that Jimmy Butler took they were down two if the Struz, Struz three counted Miami's up one at mm. that point I, when when it, was this it, in the game? When was the Struce three in the game? In the first half, so in oh, okay. the second quarter. Right. So, so like obviously you're you're playing with a you lot know, of what ifs, but yeah, a lot yeah. of what ifs there. But I understand the Miami fans being upset because they're like, if we have this three that we we had on the board for way too long before they wiped it, we're up one point. Jimmy has the ball. He and gets out. He goes to the free throw line, and we're going to the NBA finals. So like that was the only part of the game seven that I would say was captivating or riveting or whatever word you want to use. But the rest of it was the most meh game seven I have ever been a part of. Well, I, I mean, I, just, you're saying I could that, not believe it. Well, I, I, I guess like the Suns Mavs game seven had to have been worse. But at least, I at, mean, least that, at least that but, was over. There, like, was, there was, was hype a, going into it, though. I'm talking about like yeah. the, the lead up and everything. Like I had family members that were like, there's a game seven tonight. You know, like nobody yeah, even. That's knew. true. That's true. <laughs> like whatever. No, that's what like. Tell, like, tell I, me who the Warriors are playing. It's pretty much. I, I felt zero guilt not watching it. Because like, I, I I checked the score, you know, like if, if if every time I checked the score it was a two point game, I would have been like, we got to flip it over. Like this, yeah, this seems like it's a war going on 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 the uh, on ESPN right now. But it, it was like every time I checked the scores, the the Celtics were up like ten to twelve to fifteen somewhere in that range, and yeah. I just I it just seemed inevitable that they were going to win, and um I, you know, which wasn't a surprise to me, even though they lost Game Six, which was. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, but also at the same time, not really, because that, that's what this entire series was, Tate. was like the, the that's why we've been joking about it the entire series, the entire goddamn playoffs. We're going to do it in the finals. Uh, 
every time the Celtics win a game, they finally figured it out. It's over. They, over. How how is this team going to get stuck? Like they they beat the. I've already seen like people talking to like, I'm the Celtics are not the the the. I don't mean to suggest that the Celtics are the heavy favorites in the finals or whatever, but I, I do see like this sentiment that like, I don't know how the Warriors are going to, um, how, who's Steph going to guard? Who's who the, 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 the Celtics are just going to exploit Steph Curry. They're going to exploit Jordan Poole. Never mind the fact that the Celtics are going to have to figure out how to guard Steph Curry or that, mm-hmm. like, because the Celtics have great defense. And we just throw quotes around that. We say great defense. And then we say, take that great defense and go stop one of the most innovative offensive players the the game of basketball ever. has ever seen now go yeah. do that go take your great defense and stop i don't think it necessarily works that way um i don't think the, so either i don't think coming so off a celtics win so now we have to talk about how the celtics are inevitable and the celtics are going to definitely oh oh uh, uh, looks like the celtics lost. well i guess maybe the celtics are a disaster now maybe the celtics uh boy that was sure was disappointing Could they the trade Jalen brown they can, can they play they together <laughs> and it just gets so exhausted dude like trying to trying to ride that roller coaster of like you know uh, are the celtics good like that's, that's basically what this playoffs have been is yeah. are the celtics good um so you know now they, i think it's are the celtics elite i think we yeah. i think we've upgraded from good now that they made the finals I'm literally now. like it, it's it's weird to me because like the, the people that cover the sport for a living they seem to be surprised every time the celtics do anything i i do not understand how you could be if the celtics lose by 50 to the warriors in game one i don't understand how any rational mind could be surprised by that or if they win by 50 i don't know how you could be surprised by that um that that's that's kind of been the definition of this playoffs with all the variants so like the celtics lose game six and you feel like uh-oh Maybe the Heat have figured it out. Jimmy Butler was incredible in Game Six. Maybe the in in my mind, I'm like, no, it's the the Celtics just go up and down. They were down. They're gonna go to Miami and win the game. Um, then they're up 10, 15 the whole game. I didn't feel like I needed to watch it. And I don't know what that says about more about me, about the NBA, about these particular playoffs, that series. I don't know what it says, but it was pretty staggering that there's a Game Seven Eastern Conference Finals game going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'd rather watch a re- rebroadcast of a race I was just ahead. <laughs> I'd rather watch Carolina play Duke in the Final Four with my family, you know, for the first time. That was a lot more fun. But I also, the worst part about it, I felt like, was, uh, you know, in, in the world of 2020 Part 2, I do think that the bubble Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics was more riveting. Like, the yeah. bam block on Tatum. And, uh, like, there was more moments in that where you're like, wow, that was some great basketball there. But when we were in the bubble, we we're like, man, I cannot wait. It does. We we get back to uh, we're playing in Boston. We're playing in Miami. And the Miami crowd doesn't help, by the way. The Miami that crowd is help. the most no. poorest crowd I've ever seen for a game seven. They literally were just sitting there waiting for the snake pit to start. They're like, where's Steve Aoki? Where's <laughs> yeah. the cake? You know what I mean? Like, that's what they needed to to make them have some sort of lively interaction in this game. Yeah. And granted, they were down 15 from the jump, and obviously they were getting kind of shellacked early on. But in general, I just – I was shocked at how little ener- – very low energy in the Miami building and very low energy uh, for a game seven in the NBA. And I hope that the finals – I mean, the good news is that we don't have to go back to Miami in the finals. That was the one thing that yeah. I took away from that game seven. It was like, at least we don't have to watch you know the Warriors come and play in Miami. At least they're going to play in Boston and TD Garden. There's going to be energy in the building. There's going to be you know whatever random Boston celebrities in the building, You know all that sort of stuff. So – that's the one silver lining of this, but otherwise, my God. Whatever Boston celebrities flew in for the game, because literally zero Boston celebrities still live in Boston, because <laughs> even the Boston celebrities hate Boston. <laughs> There's like a rapper that Boston has. I don't know if you've seen this. He he's like he's like the white Gucci man. I don't know who he is, and like I'm Jack up to Jack Harlow, date. right? No, <laughs> isn't that his name? 
No, is it, this guy's name is Millie's, uh, and I you you'll see him now that I've pointed it out. It's kind of like you know when you someone points out a car and then you start seeing it all the time. You're gonna see this guy on the broadcast. You're gonna be like, how like what is this? Where did this guy come from? He has no like songs or anything. I've seen a few freestyles <laughs> or whatever, but they act like he's like Young Jeezy or something. His name is Millie's. He's a white guy. He's completely tatted up, like as if he's Gucci or Young Jeezy or someone. But he's not. Is and this like a Sacha Baron Cohen movie? Is I, like do, a, oh, I, I thought it was like a. I thought he was like a mascot, like as a joke, like he was like the Celtics in-house rapper or something. But then I saw these Boston people like nobody can mess with Millie's bars. I'm like, what is what world do I live in? A white rapper with no songs is a great character. <laughs> I'm a famous white rapper, and I've recorded yeah, MGK, songs. right? That's the name, Machine Gun Kelly. That, yeah, that, yeah. He did it first. <laughs> Kyle Crichton. Add Kyle him to the list. Yeah. He well, he's got one hit that I he's like. Got one, yeah, that's he's true. Got one, he's got one hit I listen to all the time. One banger. He's a one-hit wonder. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude. Um, No, I, uh, I, I, I'm I, scared to say what I want to say because I, I think it's going to be taken the wrong way that, like, I'm shitting on the NBA or, like, trying to start the, uh, the basketball culture war here, Tate. But, like, it is – it does feel like these playoffs, like, I, I don't know if it's just you and I or – um, I mean, I, I've, I've no, been it's bouncing. not just you and I. I I've been I'm in North Carolina stuff with my real friends. sports yeah. fans, and they're, and they're like, they had no interest in Game 7. We're trying to talk ourselves into caring about it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels yeah. familiar. So, you, you, it's Game 7. Uh, it, it's not even just this Game 7. I've been doing it all playoffs. It's just like, oh, boy, here it comes. I, this is going to be a great game. And then I'm watching it, and I'm just, I, I, I find I'm, like, looking at my phone more than I should be, you know, or, or yeah. I'm flipping the channel over to hockey. And, and then, like, the hockey game's good. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're probably back from commercial on the NBA game. I should probably flip it back. But you know what? Let's just wait and see. Let's just but see. I don't like, want let's to. But also like I- the uh, <laughs> the Avalanche are on a power play here, so let's like kind of like let this play out. Let's see what yeah. happens. And um and I yeah again I don't I that, that probably says more about me than the league. I'm not trying to like make some big sweeping thing that like the NBA is in trouble or you know anything like that. It's just like I, I I find myself talking myself into this being a big deal rather than just like it naturally getting the juices flowing that, that yeah. this is this game is happening or this series. I, I feel that way even about the finals. Like I until like the finals give me a reason to be captivated, I'm not like I, I'm sort of into it because it, it is like it is interesting on paper. But uh I can't pretend that like I genuinely care who wins the NBA finals or that like the 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 juices are flowing or anything. I don't know. I'm right there with Bummer. you. I, I mean, the only thing that has my attention at some level is that, you know, I've seen this stat thrown around since, you know, they got announced that they were going to the finals. But the Celtics are the only team since 2015 to have a winning record against the Warriors, right? They're 9-7. and seven. Yeah. If you look at their roster, like we, we all have over the years, you could tell that they were trying to mimic what the Warriors were doing, right? I mean, as everyone was trying to do in the league. But, like, they do have the right pieces technically to match up with the Warriors which I find fascinating I hope that the Warriors give us a great finals I hope that Steph Curry I mean Steph Curry averages 30 points per game against the Celtics so I think he's going to have a great finals I've seen a lot of people saying Marcus Smart's going to take him out maybe he does but Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year and I watched Jimmy Butler go for 47 I watched him go for 35 in in the game seven so I mean at the end of the day the star I think can get his and Steph Curry will probably get his which will be fun to watch but in general, like you said, it's a lot of I'm trying to get myself talked into. I'm yeah. trying to talk myself into it the entire time instead of it 
Like, even last year, I was like, man, this is going to be fascinating. Giannis versus the Phoenix Suns. You know, it's like this one supreme, unbelievable, undeniable talent going up against this great team with this great point guard who can, like, kind of control a game and control the pace. But Giannis is actually the king of controlling a game and controlling the pace. I'm excited to see what that matchup looks like. I hope that Boston and the Warriors give me that sort of, you know, in game one, I hope I'm like, okay, this is real basketball again. Because Boston played at a high level, I thought, against the Bucks, And I thought that series was great. Right, so I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that Boston can't captivate me in that sense again. I just hope that the Warriors make them play at that level well, because that, the Miami Heat in that series was not fun. That's exactly it, what you said. Like Boston playing at a high level, and the Bucks playing at a high level. Like the the NBA has positioned itself as a league that that focuses so much on the off court stuff and so much on the storylines and so much on uh you, you know the, the, this finals is Steph versus Tatum or you know <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's Tatum top five if he beats Steph in the finals yeah it's the Bill Russell's college versus Bill Russell's pro team you know like Bill yeah. Russell for, I don't even know if anyone's made that connection did I did I just invent that um you just start like you start finding like all these off court links to like get people to for that for that finals commercial that can you know have the the big dun dun. Steph Curry, doo, Jason Tatum, doo, Thursday, 8.30, ABC. And then it's, you know, uh, who's who's uh, Millie? Is that you said? Maybe Millie's like Millie's. rapping over top of it and he's pointing at the camera and he's like, you won't want to miss this, America. And, but, you know, <laughs> I, I seriously think that might happen and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall out of my chair. And I think there's there's this thought that like getting people excited for the finals requires all of that. It requires like, did you hear that uh, Jordan Poole slept with Peyton Pritchard's girlfriend? Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait to see those two guys guard each other. And like, like th- that, that seems to be how people discuss when really, at least for me and my friends and my family and like the people that I interact with on a daily basis, all we ultimately care about is that there's good basketball. And like, yeah. when, and, and this playoffs has been defined by injuries, flopping and blowouts. Those are the three yeah. things that, that have every, every feels like every single time you turn on the television, you're seeing all three of those things. And, you know, I also, I can only get so far and like caring about like, you know, th- this is crazy that Kyrie and KD were both on these teams and now they're in the finals and neither one of them are there. Oh my God, uh-huh. can't wait to see all that. You know, Got em. Like, yeah. <laughs> that makes me turn the TV on, I suppose, <laughs> to leave the TV on and not flip over to hockey and not look at my phone. Like, I need you to not flop and not bitch at the refs and not uh, be up by 36 points the entire game, every single game, one team or the other, and not, you know what I mean? And not have like three starters out and not, and that's been the playoffs the entire time, I think, this year. And I, I think that's ultimately why like game seven when push came to shove. And I actually had like a really tangible other thing going on, which is like this tradition I have with my family where we come home from the race and we watch the race again. And I actually had like a real competition going up against game seven. It was, it was interesting that like, it never even crossed my mind to really flip over to game seven. I was like, this is not like, it's not compelling enough. It's just, it, I, I checked the score. It feels like it's going the same path. I was checking Twitter. It seemed like Marcus Smart was bitching at the refs and Kyle Lowry <laughs> yeah. was flopping like crazy. And like, yeah. you know, and, and at a certain point, I was like, I don't need to see that. I guess I can just, you know, wait for the that game it, to be over, see the final score, and then like see what the, the dorks on Reddit have to say about it. And that's, well, that was the, that was the, the worst part of the series. Game. They were playing their own game, which was not basketball, which was basically like, how do I curry favor and get, re- they were using rhetorical devices to get like the referees on their side. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, it became like, like I was at Juilliard and I'm watching actors, you know, like trying to convince people like with riveting performances. That was pretty much what the Eastern Conference Finals right, was yeah. between Kyle Lowry and Marcus Smart. And, you know, it kind of just like flooded the entire series. And my 
my worst fear about the finals, and I and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to knock on wood, and I hope that will keep it from happening. But my worst fear is that we have the exact same situation as the conference finals and the Eastern Conference finals, where it is a lot of Draymond flailing, Marcus Smart flailing, mm-hmm. Grant Williams flailing, setting illegal screens, Draymond flailing, setting illegal screens, them yelling at their coach, you know, doing the spin around finger to, yeah. to go challenge it, you know, because that was the hard part for Ime Udoka. I, I will give him a lot of credit because every single time that if something happened on the court, they yelled at him to challenge it. And he only has one challenge, Titus. So I don't, I don't understand how, like, he decided when he was going to challenge, and half the time I was like, I don't think that was the time, but I guess Marcus Smart was going to kill you if you didn't challenge the charge that he definitely moved his feet on. That was definitely a block, but you know what I mean? That is my worst fear that the finals turns into replay reviews because that's why the Eastern Conference Finals was so embarrassing. I don't want to watch Scott Foster at the monitor. <laughs> I watched him more than I watched Duncan Robinson play, and that was not what I want to see as a friend of the program. Literally. <laughs> literally. Like he, he had way more FaceTime and screen time than Duncan Robinson by a mile. Uh, and nobody wants to watch that. I nobody wants to talk about the refs. I'm so tired of hearing about the officials and this yeah. guy's calling the game or whatever. Like, that is a nightmare scenario. And it's the, the number one way to turn people off from watching the game when you feel like the officials are dictating the outcome. And that is how it felt like at times. And honestly, in Game 7, it felt like it was more in favor of Miami at times, even though there were some questionable calls like Strews. It was just frustrating. I, I do not want to watch that in the finals. And if it's like that, you just said it. I'm going to wait and see the final score and go, okay, congratulations to the Celtics. Congratulations to the yeah. Warriors. You did it. <laughs> You're yeah. the I don't need to watch. Cool. Cool. I don't uh, need I, to. I need, the, uh, I need a one-shiny moment of uh, all the uh, the flops and reviews. Of the oh, finals. man. Unbelievable. <laughs> and the flagrant. <laughs> How many flagrant ones? This has to be a record of flagrant ones. Because if you go up and your elbow accidentally hits someone in the face now, it's like flagrant one. <laughs> It's like, what? How? How is that a flagrant one? He just went up for a layup. I've also never seen more offensive fouls. And I mean, I feel bad for Jason Tatum on a guy going for a layup himself and then pushing the other guy yeah. off in the air yeah. and then getting called for an offensive foul. I'm like, I guess, but that that is the world we live in. I don't I, I don't really understand how the basketball community at large can I, I can acknowledge that all let these it problems exist. Yeah, because everybody you talk to has the exact same thoughts that like the, the, it's gotten out of control with the reviews and the 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 offensive foul tug of war both like as you said like a Tatum like kind of sort of shrugged his shoulder so the, for that reason that's an offensive foul but then like yeah. was Kyle Lowry move well he was moving but he's allowed to move on that charge attempt but where his feet outside okay he's outside the restricted area but was he. <laughs> Okay, so let's his left heel was let's, not let's, down, and like it's it's gotten so convoluted. We know, like I mean, I've I've been I've been yelling this from the from the mountaintops for years about charges. Like I, I hate charges, and I say this as a guy that that I can push cartilage around Tate in my left elbow. Um, yeah, because I took so many charges in my basketball career, and I hit my elbow on the ground so many times from taking charges that my my left elbow is a little messed up from it. Um, so I. I, I say this as a guy that took a ton of charges. Like charges are bullshit. They're, they're, it's a it's a it's a get out of jail free card, and and it feels like that's sort of the popular sentiment. That that is that is where we've arrived. That that all of us seem to believe this, yet nobody's doing anything about it to, to fix it. That I don't I don't really get that part. I remember when uh the twenty fifteen final four. I went to this uh I when when I was I think I was at Grantland at the time, so I was uh, still considered like an actual journalist, and um I got invited to uh 
be in like the journalism panel or something at the final four in Indy where uh, like they, they had some like rules guy in college basketball come in and talk about like all the rule changes they were thinking of. And like, it was basically like bouncing ideas off of like the, the college basketball media and what do we like? What do we not like? All that kind of stuff. And Jim Delaney was there, commissioner of the Big Ten, former commissioner yeah, at the Jim time. Delaney. He was Delaney. Yeah, at the time he was the commissioner. And uh, I, one of our family friends is a friend of Jim Delaney's. We like we, you know, I I I don't know him personally, but like we we know of each other through mutual friends and stuff like that. So I thought like finally at long last, I'm in this tiny room with Jim Delaney. I'm gonna go introduce myself. And I went up and I introduced myself. I was like, Hey, I'm Mark Titus. He's like, Oh yeah, I've heard a lot about you, and through this this mutual connection we have. Um, and, and we were doing all that. And then uh, he's like, he's like, uh, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I got invited to this. He's like, so what do you, what do you think about this? So I was like, I gotta be honest while I have you um, there's just one rule that I want to get rid of. It's the charge. I, 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 and I started like explaining my point of view. Cause and he was, and he goes, you know, what's crazy, Mark. I've thought this for years. He's like, I've had this exact thought for like 20 years. When I watch basketball, how much I hate charges, how much I hate that. And I, and I was like, Oh my God. And I leave the meeting. And the first thought I have is like, this is great. The Jim Delaney is on my side. The Jim, De- like the, the commissioner of the big, we, might change the, game. we yeah. might change the game. And then I get in my car and I start driving away or I, I, cause I, I wasn't staying downtown. I was staying with my parents or something. Um, and I drive, I, I'm driving away and then it hits me and I'm like, this man's been like one of the most powerful men in college sports for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> and he's wanted to change this and yeah. he's realized this is bullshit and nothing's happened about it. Mm-hmm. How was that possible? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, that, that's that's where i've arrived with all of it it's like it's like so funny that uh it, it it seems like we all hate it but nothing's really being done about it and i don't really and it's infiltrated the nba you know what i mean yeah. like it really has like the the flopping and the charges which i mean look it used to be a college thing that like nba yeah. people looked at and said like i don't want to watch college basketball that's exactly garbage. they're like how it is no way. no way i could watch that and honestly i mean we have to we, we respect you know the game here on this program so i will tip my cap to coach k and say you know thank you for bringing flopping and charges you whoa know, do you think front. this is a coach k do you think this was when he started coaching team usa that's why I think that Miami and the Boston Celtics were doing their Coach K farewell tour. You know what I mean? I think that they were trying to to pay homage to you know Coach K and what. No, do you did. think Coach K taking over Team USA has now slowly over time? We're yes. starting to see the effects of that. Yes, that's what we're seeing now. Is is the. I mean, think about it. Every time that you hear like a, a player, they're like, "Who's your favorite player?" They're like Kobe Bryant. Okay, so who did Kobe Bryant said say was the coach that really like was his coach? Coach K. That's right. True. So then That's true. all these kids look up and they're like, I want to learn, you know, for under this great coach that Kobe said is the best coach. I mean, Jason Tatum's wearing a freaking yellow and gold 24. Can we talk band. about this for a second? Yeah, please. Is, is that weird? I, yes. I can't tell if I was old, if I'm old, if I'm uh, a hater, like I, cause I really <laughs> don't want to be. And I, and I, I believe that Jason Tatum, I mean, like I really thought Jason Tatum was going to be one of the Duke guys that I would cheer for forever. Um, that he he kind of like broke. Through. I don't dislike Tatum. I'll say that right right now. I do not. I didn't dislike. think I did either. Um, yeah. I, I I really thought that 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 he he was going to be the guy. He was going to be the, the 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 golden goose of like I I, I want to point to someone and be like I I don't not all the Duke players are losers because like Tatum's awesome. Look at him. Brandon Ingram is really that guy. You know, Brandon Ingram is that the guy where I'm true, like, yeah. I, I really like Brandon Ingram, right? But he's not even a Duke guy. But yeah, back to the point. Jason I love Luke, I love Luke. Like, I don't know. We could do our we could do the Duke yeah. guys we like. But Jason Tatum was like the best. I mean, Jason Tatum was was he's he has the chance of being the zero Duke players on the top seventy five list. Tate, we know that um, yep. when the top one hundred list comes along in twenty five years, 
Jason Tatum has the best chance of all the Duke players of being on that list. Is that a yep. fair assumption? Yeah. I mean, yeah. some people would say Kyrie, but I don't think so. I mean, he should be on the top 100 list, but Tatum, by playing for the Celtics, you know, is going to be on that list. And also sure. Tatum is still in the, you know, he's still, he, he he's still young. He's still going to he's 19. He's 19. I mean, yeah, he's got, he's got a long ways to go. Long career ahead of him. So, yeah. he, you know, he, he was, he was going to be the guy that, that um, you could point to and say, that's a Duke player. I like, that's the exception that, that, to, to all the, all the, hatred around the duke basketball <laughs> brand yeah then there's jason tatum then he gets like terrible tattoos i think that kind of started that's where i started like saying wait a second like his 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 tattoo game was was horrendous the some of these tattoos that he's gotten which like i don't want to you know tattoo shame anybody but like you gotta i one of my one of my pet peeves of basketball player tattoos is that they don't think about the jersey that they're going to be wearing and like you have to kind of be cognizant of where your arms are getting cut off by the jersey and Which is why Kevin tattoos. Durant's tattoos actually are great because he's always had them hidden by the jersey. By the jersey, yeah. yeah which is genius. That's you have to play that. into the jersey in some way, shape, or form. I think J.J. Reddick's a good example of a guy who, who was aware of this. And, like, he built his tattoo <laughs> sleeve <laughs> around. <laughs> Does he still have that sleeve or did he get rid of it? Well, when, when Tatum got the uh, the back tattoo – and then it looked like he had the uh, the tape on his shoulder. That's like what I thought it was at first. And then it was like popping out. And I, I didn't love that. And because uh, that that to me is just a guy who doesn't have great foresight. Tate. I think like you get you get tattoos and you're not thinking about the jersey. You're not you're not seeing the bigger picture. You're just focusing on the you know. And I was like, I don't I don't like that. I don't like I don't like where where his tattoo game's going. Um, we need better tattoos out of him. Uh, but but then I also realized that was just a me problem, and I need to get over that. And then I went back to liking Jason Tatum, and now I look up Tate, and he's texting Kobe Bryant. Which in and of itself, I guess, is not that weird. I know people grieve, and I and I know that he was actually close with Kobe, and um, you know, p- people grieve in their own ways, and that that's not uncommon. There are I've I've heard of many other people that uh, the uh, a loved one passes and they keep their phone on the number, and sometimes they call it just to feel something, you know, yeah. years after the fact, or you text them to whatever. All that's fine. Why did this man post this to Instagram? Um, why? That that's the part that I really truly don't understand, especially because you realize if they would have lost, he definitely wouldn't have done this. Um, of course, yeah. I, I I have not stopped thinking about that since since this was brought to my attention. Like I, because again, like part of it is like th- this is to me this was this was the most cringeworthy thing I, I've seen in a very long time. But at the same time, there's a small part of it. It's like maybe it's just me, dude. Maybe I'm just old. Maybe this is like, you know. This is like the tattoo thing all over again, Tate. That like I, I yeah. think is I think the tattoos popping out of his shoulders are stupid. He should have like cleaned it. He should have kept it tighter or go wider with the tattoos or do something. Do something, yeah. Jason. Um, we sound like we so we're sounding like James Worthy right now, but I I, I kind of like it because I think you mentioned like what are the the storylines or the themes of the NBA playoffs. I think one of the major things for me is the 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 saying broke the code. Right, everyone you know <laughs> Giannis Haslam said that you know Draymond broke the code. Steve Kerr said that you know uh, the Grizzlies broke the code. Like we've had a lot of break break the code moments. And it brings me to Jason Tatum's armband because, in my opinion, that broke the code. Right, I mean that is a that is such a strange thing to think about the history of these two franchises, right? I mean, to have the Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Lakers, all of that intertwined history, all the magic bird, all that stuff, you know what I mean? And then to to see the conference finals and have a Lakers colored armband on your best player. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if Caleb Love was in the final four playing Duke and he's wearing a Duke blue Jason Tatum armband? You know what I mean? Like that, that would be, we were like, what is, 
happening here. Right. Like I respect that you're paying the respects, but also like, can we get it the Celtics colors? Could we just make it black? Like, could we make it black and then it just says twenty four on it? Like, there are ways to skirt around wearing Lakers colors. Colors, yeah. In a game where you're wearing, you know what I mean, and playing for the Boston Celtics. And I know the Celtics fans would never say anything out loud about this. But they had to feel weird about it, and it does break some sort of code of like, of course, of the sporting, you know, competitive nature and the ideology of kind of the NBA and this this long standing rivalry between Boston and LA. You know what I mean? Like it kind of breaks that a little bit, or you know, makes you kind of be like, wait, what's happening here? You know, like wouldn't this be a thing? So in that sense, it kind of like breaks like the traditional code, which, like you said, we might be old guys in that sense, but it was just strange and jarring to see. And then you throw in the fact that like. It was kind of a show, right, to be like, you know, I, I told Kobe I was going to do this. And it goes back to 2020 Part 2 because this is what the Lakers did, right? And they, they when they true. made their title run, it was all about Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. When, then when they won the championship, not one person said anything about Kobe Bryant, which still <laughs> I, I don't understand how that it's about happened. Me now. It's about me yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I at least appreciate that Tatum – it's kind of stuck to that, and I hope he does if they end up winning the NBA Finals. But I don't know. It just in some things. The text thing I, is weird. It's the the, yeah. the the sharing the text thing is weird. That's like that's what I mean. Like it, it was less like I, I I'm not attacking Jason Tatum. I'm attacking like uh, getting older. The idea of me being yeah. older. The idea of me like looking at what the world the around code? me and you I'm like, what, I mean? what what is this world? We should define the code. And then and then we come back and work it back because maybe Jason Tatum is progressing. You know what I mean? He's innovating. Said he's code. innovating the code. Yeah, which I which in that sense you're like maybe I'll give him a benefit of the doubt. But it was just it was just strange to watch. I mean, it really is. And I don't really the posting on really, Instagram thing, yeah. dude. I I won't. I I'll, I'll never understand it. That's what I I, I truly. It's it's uh, it might be time for me to log off. It just might be yeah. time. It might be I, time for me to I'm the, the, the zoomers are, are breaking me, dude. Like for real. I, I just can't, I can't understand the look at me attitude of like everybody. If, if, if Jason Tatum texts Kobe Bryant's number and he's, he's obviously been dead for years and we understood why he did it. There was like some sort of spiritual Larger. thing at yeah, play yeah. where like, he's like, I feel motivated by Kobe and, and I will for the rest of my life. All that he texts him. Tate uh, does not share this with anybody. Um, eventually Vanessa Bryan finds out or he shares it with Vanessa. Like he, he texts Vanessa after the fact and he's like, I just want to like, maybe after the finals are over and he pulls Vanessa aside at some point where they see each other. And he's like, just want to let you know, I did this for Kobe. In fact, look, I, I, I've even been texting. I've been texting him. Yeah. Yeah. Like Like my thoughts. Yeah. 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 And he shares it with Vanessa and it's like this private moment that he has with Vanessa and Vanessa's like, Oh my God, that's insane. Whatever. And then somehow like Vanessa tells her friend and then her friend goes to the media and tells it. And then the story comes out that way. Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. That's like the I greatest agree. PR that's ever happened for Jason. Tatum. Yeah, Brian Windhorse like tells this whole story and is like, Jason Tatum did not want this to get out. Yeah, but Jason yeah. Tatum yes. has a very close private relationship with Kobe Bryant. In fact, he texts him before every game his yes. thoughts. You know what I mean? Yes. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, what a what a cool yes. wrinkle to this whole run for Jason Tatum. Yeah, and I feel exactly. like that's how it would have gone for like my generation of guys. That's how it yeah. would have. And, and now we're, and, in, we're and in we would have been pissed that it kind of got out. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> not not pissed, but you'd be like a little bit like I didn't really need that to be public. But yes, I did do that. Um, yes. But then the 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 Zoomer thing is to post it right away, and 
That's I don't know. I don't understand. And I say this as a guy that posted the the text. I, I have I deleted. That's why I say you are you are the guy you are the guy that knows when to post and when not to post. You know what I Did mean? Did I ever like, delete that? I've talked to every time I talked to Duncan. By the way, ever, since then, since since that happened, he and I go back and like I've I've we've gone to dinner like eight different times since then, and and every single time I see him because we we don't see each other that often, but when I do. I'm like, hey man. So about that text, I, uh, I I tweeted, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, bro, don't be sorry. That was cool. And like we we do the the song and dance of like, should I have done that? Should I have not have done that? Um, and I've ultimately landed where I landed like the the, the moment I hit send on it, and I was like, I should probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but at it was the very, time, very weird. I, but at uh, the time, it was just more. It was more just to give like the context of like where Duncan came from. This guy went from like yes. I'm never going to play pro basketball to to being a star in the NBA finals, which is why it was such a, you know, thing. and the reason I felt weird about it is cause I didn't, I didn't want to make it about me. I wanted to make it about Duncan. I was like, Dun- like I, I want to show the world that this man was, was texting my dumb ass when he was in college and, and for advice. Um, and, and that was why I tweeted it. And then like, I, I did it and I was like, this got very, very strange. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I, I don't know. The, 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 Which the, would look? What if Jason Tatum comes out and is like, "I wish I wouldn't have shared that." You know what I mean? Like, you know, based on the response of this, I, I, I probably should have kept that to myself. I I'd probably like, should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's the, the, the breed yeah. of son around. By the way, like, do say this is a this this is not a Jason Tatum unique thing. Like Steph Curry, I think introduces to the idea of bringing your kid to a press conference to, uh, you know, get get people to not ask you tough questions. Yeah, genius. <laughs> Genius, it really is. I think he's the one that been, or is it Eric Musselman with the uh, with Mariah back in the? I think it was Del Curry when they kept yeah. losing to Michael Jordan. <laughs> he's like, here's my two kids. <laughs> Stephen said, watch him shoot. <laughs> Muggsy's like carrying uh, him on his shoulders. <laughs> I I so badly want some truth serum in the uh, the rest of the Boston Celtics locker room and ask them their real thoughts on Deuce Tatum and having him come around. <laughs> At all seconds of of the day, and, and he's just kind of in there after you, you you pull off a big win, and it's Jason Tatum's kid walking around the locker room, and uh, th- again that makes me a hater, and and you're you're not <laughs> supposed to say that out loud, but that that's what's so funny is like th- th- there's no there's no one that's gonna be brave enough on the team to stand up and be like Jason, get your fucking kid out of here, dude. Like what are we doing? <laughs> well, so y'all kind of let it happen, but I guarantee you some of them are like, what what. What's going on? Like, like Jason, do you realize if we all brought our kids in here, what this scene would look like? Like, do you think you're the only one that has a kid? And then he's like, "Bitch, I'm the only one that's a franchise player." And they're like, "Great point." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point, Jason. It, it does feel like that the interviews with the Celtics goes like Jason Tatum, Deuce Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Right. Which, if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm pretty shitty about that. <laughs> oh man i mean the good news in general though like um as we talk about the nba is that these writers and reporters and the 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 media machine of the nba has never been more invested in the finals right because it did feel like the the boston machine went to golden state when they kind of revolutionized you know the way we play basketball which is basically shoot more threes and share the basketball and -hmm. then all those boston people were like this is something i can get behind and now to have the Boston playing against Golden State, we're, we're going to have a lot of coverage, a lot of conversations, a lot of Kendrick mm-hmm. Perkins on TV saying carry on uh, after game two, it's over. And then after game four, when it's flipped the other way, carry on, it's over. And then <laughs> <laughs> carry on, it's over. This one's over. The series yeah, is over. It'll be great. It'll be I, I want to get out ahead of it and say that this series is over. The, series, <laughs> the way I see it right now, it's the series over. is done. Um, <laughs> 
I, it, it, there's no coming back from it. And what I've seen so far, I've, I, I, I've seen enough to know that, uh, it's over. So what, uh, what is the, and you know, we, then we can be done with this, but what is like the worst case scenario for this finals? You know what I mean? Like, what is the worst case scenario outcome for, what do you mean? for like conversations? For, like just the fall for content for like, yeah, for like yeah, if yeah. you're, if you're a fan of basketball content and you're listening to all the podcasts and watching all the shows and all that stuff. And then, what's 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 the scenario that leaves you losing your mind at how shitty this content is because <laughs> yeah. we're now arguing about yeah um that's a great question i i think I, it would be... i can i can start if you want me to just okay to... go ahead my my worst case scenario is that the celtics win in six games and marcus smart wins defense or not he is defense MVP. player wins yeah. finals mvp yeah, I was. I was that, that is the worst case scenario because I used to laugh all the time with the Marcus Smart trade scenarios and things like that. And the Boston, you know, a lot of my friends are Celtics, you know, fans, and uh, the, you know they talk about Marcus Smart as if he is, you know, one of the the greats, a Hall of Famer in the future. And if he were to win Finals MVP by stopping Steph Curry, <laughs> I'm gonna have to delete a lot of tweets. You know what I mean from back in the day. So yeah, uh, I, yeah I, that would be my worst case scenario. I think. Uh... I mean, shit, dude. Tatum, if if the Cel- the Celtics win, but Tatum has a uh, like a the, the Kobe six for twenty four game, um, yeah. Or it, Tatum does that like every single game. Like Tatum doesn't have like particularly a great series, but the Celtics win, and you you look at it, and you're like, well, I mean, Marcus Smart, I guess he kind of did, but like, I mean, for God's sake, Steph averaged twenty nine a game and and lit him up. Like we can't give it to Marcus Smart. Like uh, it's, I mean, Jalen Brown, he had he had some stinkers too. It's it was kind of a team win. Like there was a, I guess it's got to be Jason Tatum. We give the fight and Jason Tatum wins finals MVP, oh but it's like a, it's like a, you know, back. We couldn't give it to anyone back else. Backdoor situation of just that, like a, yeah. We that's how the Eastern Conference play. finals MVP was a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. When they, they gave the Bob Cousy award to Al Horford. I thought that was the the MVP trophy. There was two trophies at Cedric Maxwell. Shout out, shout out to Cedric Maxwell. He was hilarious, but they gave out two trophies. They gave out the Bob Cousy one first. And I thought that was the the MVP, and they gave it to Al Horford, and I actually thought that was a good choice. What's the Bob Cousy Award? I don't even know. I don't even is, know. They is, they, are, they gave out a Larry Bird award to Jason Tatum and a Bob Cousy award to Al Horford. Is there a Celtics player that's retired that doesn't have an award named after them that we no. know of? I, I, yeah, <laughs> Big Baby Davis. For now, give it give it five years, and we're just <laughs> Rondo and Big Baby are up next. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Um, I, I think that's a nightmare scenario, though. That Tatum wins the MVP, but it's not. It, it it's technically deserved. Um, but or, or maybe it's a situation where like Steph was obviously the best player on the floor, but Steph's team didn't win, and we don't want to do the uh, Jerry West deal where we give it to the losing player because we yeah. can't do that anymore. So we have to give it to technically the best player on the other team, and it's Tatum. And then the fallout of that is all the arguing all the offseason from the Boston media people that Jason Tatum's the best player in the league, and he proved. Oh like, my God! I went in the right. Finals MVP. And if he's not the best player, if, if Giannis is better and Malcolm Tatum beat him in the playoffs, <laughs> explain that to me. Jokic, Jokic couldn't beat the Warriors, and Jason Tatum beat the Warriors, so he's obviously yeah. better than Jokic. Um, uh-huh. And and that's that, that. I think I think that's nauseating. I think that'll make people want to kill themselves. <laughs> and it is true because like, and Tatum would lean into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Tatum would do a Nike campaign that's like best in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like him in the gym by himself. Um, I think the 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 Warriors winning and Steph not winning MVP is that's 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 another that's nauseating too. Where yeah. where Steph like secures that that's his fourth title, correct? That yes. would be his fourth title. Um, 
but there's still the yeah, but part of his <laughs> legacy. That's why I think the Warriors have to win because I'm over that. I mean, Steph won Finals MVP in 2015. The only reason he didn't was because the NBA Illuminati had already decided that LeBron was going to win, right? So then the fact that LeBron didn't win, everyone was like, well, who guarded LeBron? That's right, Iguodala, so we'll give it yeah. to him. 2017-2018 was the most like Kevin Durant trying to prove some larger point which was I am better than Steph Curry just put me in his system and I'll be better than him which everyone was like we didn't oh, need to see this they, proven yeah. out in front of us but thanks yeah. I guess like what and then this time around the word like if Andrew and I love I we both really like Andrew Wiggins but if Andrew Wiggins guards Jason Tatum and like you said holds him to six of 24 and like four games and the the Warriors win in five and then Andrew Wiggins wins Finals MVP. Yeah, yes, yes. Like that would be ridiculous be... because Steph has to, Steph has to be that guy. Kevin Durant like. really was like, like the Warriors were. It was like you're watching like a, a match at WrestleMania between like two great technical wrestlers that the fans love, and it was just you know it was it was like an Iron Man match, and yeah, and there's so many great spots back and forth, and oh my god, both guys' faces are bleeding, and it's like one of the coolest things. And then Hulk Hogan comes running out and just bursts into the ring and starts leg dropping everybody and then rips his shirt off and does like his Hulk Hogan poses. And then he, he just, he, he walks out out of the ring and is like, I'm the greatest, aren't I? Wasn't that really cool? And we're like, I mean, I guess Hulk, but like we had a, we had a good thing. yeah, we had like a good thing going. He's like, but you see those leg drops? I'm unstoppable. No one's ever pinned me. And you're like, I, cool man <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah why why what is happening what are we doing here yeah uh oh, what the, a time. The, those are the, those those are nightmare scenarios and i think i think one of them is gonna have wh- wh- who do you uh the warriors are the favorites right i think so they should I think be the warriors i mean they have the rest and they're, they're obviously did you see that the the celtics have zero finals games played as a team no one on their team has ever played in the finals and the warriors have i will say that's surprising because like how how often the celtics have been good with this iteration of their team um i i, I honestly gun to my head of i would have thought jason Tatum was playing the finals before and i yeah. and then i start like thinking back on each year and i'm like i guess you're right you know it's not it's not that i forget who played in the finals it's just like the way they're talked about and the way that it's you know no, I mean, it, honestly, my your throat, you're like, yeah, the Celtics have definitely made a finals with Tatum. They lost to uh, who did they lose? Oh, I guess they haven't. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> no, my dad was like, when that stat came up, he was like, that's wrong. Al Horford played in the finals. And it's like, you would think Al Horford did play in the finals because of the Hawks teams that he was on. I mean, they were the number one seed in the East, but it goes back to like LeBron was that dominant. You know, I mean, LeBron didn't let any of these guys eat until he left. And then Kawhi came <laughs> and it was like, okay, my turn. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, in general, uh yeah Shout out Kawhi been, Leonard by the way who uh I, I guess like NBA people just completely forgot exists um and and when you talk about like top five like Kawhi Leonard is better than Jason Tatum for sure uh, no question about it I mean I, I guess I guess we have to wait and see how he how good he is coming off of an injury I guess that would be he's gonna be yeah. fine he's I've going already to be fine yeah, yeah Kawhi Leonard is undoubtedly a better player than Jason Tatum but when Jason Tatum has a big playoff game and we talk about if Jason Tatum's a top five player I've not once heard anyone mention Kawhi Leonard's name. When two, what was it? Two years ago, I guess it was three years ago at this point that uh, Kawhi Leonard was like the best player in basketball. And absolutely, at, at the uh, All Star game in 2020, Kawhi Leonard won All Star MVP, and everyone was like, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the world, no doubt about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he goes to the finals; they blow a three-one lead. Right? That's really like the story that I guess Kawhi that's it. Yeah. Clippers blew that 3-1 lead and then he's been hurt since then. But you're right. I mean, even – and this is going to really piss off Celtics fans. But, I mean, Jimmy Butler 
right now is I would take Jimmy Butler over Jason Tatum, right? Like just for your team to be your your franchise player in a series. Like if I'm like, I got to have the best guy in this series, I'm going to take Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was the best player in that series. Other than the game three and game four, which he was, I, I know he was hurt. I was watching the guy, you know, labor around the court. Jason Tatum, not to say that his ceiling, his ceiling is higher than Jimmy Butler, obviously. I think he can he can become a better player. But as it currently stands, Jimmy Butler was the guy in this series. So you're saying, just say it this way, Tate. If you switch Butler and Tatum, uh, the series wouldn't have gone seven. If, mm. Butler, if Jimmy Butler was on the Celtics and Tatum was on the Heat. Celtics one in five. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Bang. I can't, I can't be bothered to care. I have thoughts on it, but like the moment I start sharing my thoughts, I become everyone else, and I don't want that to happen. Don't be everyone else. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, like, want, I don't I, want to be a top I, five guy. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a. This team wins, so therefore this guy is a top five guy. You know yes, what I mean? Like, yes, that just yes, seems yes. to be the world that we live in now, which is unfair. Um. All right. Final start Thursday. I guess we're, we'll we'll do a show after game one, right? Like we'll probably yeah. just record after uh, after game one, and uh, we could even we'll, watch game one and record after if you want yeah. to. You know what I mean? That sounds like, fun. Let's uh, or we could just go to Top Gun and talk about Top Gun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, down, to Top. I'm down for that too. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. <laughs> the uh, the Celtics are the Celtics are back in the finals. So we're like, folks, if you like franchises from the 1980s that Ooh. have reinvigorated themselves Ooh. and gotten the white people losing their minds, and everyone's like, yes, here comes yes. the Celtics talk. Here comes the Celtics. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick was a great film, but we're going to talk about it coming up. <laughs> I think Tom Cruise will be at a finals game. I'm going to, uh, that's What's like this? my big, uh, my big fish. I think Tom Cruise goes to a Warriors game. That's interesting. Game three, Tom that, Cruise. That would there. be, yeah. Wave he, to the uh, crowd. And, and, and he comes with a, he's got a baseball glove on and he's like, I'm here to throw out the first pitch. And we're like, Tom, how weird are you, dude? Like, do you, <laughs> yeah, not, do you, do you not understand you anything about society at all? And he's like, he's just really. laughing. You know, you're like, yeah, that's like, crazy. <laughs> 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 oh man well i was gonna say so. oh uh last thought on the on on all this and we'll do shout outs um what does this mean for brad stevens is, is this is, 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 if you're if you're someone that wants to see brad stevens coach basketball again does the celtics making the finals hurt or help that is, is he now is he now like solidified his case as like the best gm and what, what what even is his title? He's like the president of president of basketball operations. I need but, someone. I need someone to explain that to me too. That like some GMs do all the work, some presidents do all the work, some like owners are the guys. I, we, we need like a solidified. You know, I'll explain team. it to you. The owners do all the decisions. You know what I mean? A lot of these guys these guys give suggestions and the owners make decisions, right? So yeah. you you want to be the guy who gives the suggestions to the owner, and it doesn't matter if you're the GM or the president of basketball operations, but. Brad Stevens, this is great because now he knows how easy it is to be an executive, and he wants the challenge again of coaching. That's what I think. Thank you. That's what that's what I was hoping for. That's mm -hmm. what I was hoping for. So, uh, all right, you. let's let's do shoutouts, closeouts, get out of here. I want to shout out uh, the Carolina baseball team and the women's lacrosse team. Women's lacrosse team won national championship UNC this weekend, and the oh really? Team. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Great. I'll clap for yeah. that. That's why when you were you were bringing up like your dad watching random sports, I'm like, my family's like that, but we just find Carolina playing, you know, in whatever sport they're playing in, and then we're like, okay, ultimate frisbee. Do you, do you become a do you become an expert on on uh, Carolina lacrosse as you turn it on, and then you're like, 
This is the first game you've watched all year, but so <laughs> I actually became an expert in the Northwestern game. Um, famously, I, I was, you know, deferred from Northwestern, uh, even though I was valedictorian in my high school because I'm from the South and they don't think people from the South are smart. Um, but <laughs> so I have a natural disdain for that university. So in the final four, Carolina plays Northwestern and uh, we're getting crushed. Right. So I'm watching that game. And as I'm watching it, I'm becoming an expert because I'm like, they got to do, you know, they got to do this. They got to do that. They got to adjust here. And uh, they came back and won that game. And then um, the, the championship game was just more fun to, to watch at that yeah. point. And then baseball, I actually am an expert. You know, my dad, we all played baseball. And my uncle played at Carolina. So watching them play NC State with the NC State fans, you know, thinking that this was their moment to, to beat Carolina in, in the tournament championship game and then to get just absolutely blown what out. Was the, um, what's the stat about NC State now? They haven't won. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to pull it up because – First off, State, State and this is not a Big Ten stat of the – we might be spawning a new thing here where the Big Ten stat of the week is the uh, stat that makes you sound good when you're really yeah. not that good. We need, like, the NC State stat of the week, which is – NC like State this, shit. Just, yeah. NC State shit of the week, which is just <laughs> complete misery. It's just, like, the stat that, that highlights the misery going on in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, Go good news Good news first for the State fans. Terquavion Smith, uh, who was supposed to be a first-round pick – uh, is coming back to the NC State to play basketball. So that's congratulations. So we'll start with good news. Terquavion Smith is coming back. But now back to the NC State shit. This is Austin Meadows who tweeted this. So shout out to him. He said, it's official for the 30th consecutive year. I can't even read this without laughing. NC State has failed to win so much as a share of a division title, regular season ACC title, or ACC tournament title in football, men's basketball, and baseball. Um <laughs> <laughs> And they are also the only Power Five school without a conference title in football, men's basketball, uh, and baseball this century. The last one in football is '79. Last one in basketball is '89. Last one in baseball is 1992. Um, and the state fans going into Sunday really thought that this was going to be their moment in the sun. They were going to upset the Tar Heels, and it's gone. So, um, NC That's, State. That, that is actually shocking. Right? That is I mean, actually is a, shocking, yeah. And th this is like a – I mean, the women's basketball team has been great, so, like, I, I don't want to, you know – The football know, team's supposed to be, like, top 10 next year preseason. Right? Yeah, they, they should they're be – supposed to have a good so, team. And the NCAA left the baseball team out of the tournament, by the way. So that they make it to That's the right. ACC tournament final. The ACC has nine teams that make it, uh, but NC State is not one of them. And they are up in arms because the NCAA obviously hates NC State. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. all going back to last year. They should have won the national championship, but they had COVID problems, right? That's and right. so they got, they got right. taken That's out right. of the oh – <laughs> I mean, they they have they have all the ammo, so I do feel for state fans. But uh, man, it, it, it's been fun to be back home because, like, obviously there are a lot of oh state fans God, in our lives man. here, and uh, to hear them complain in front of you, it's nothing like it. You know what I mean? It really isn't. Like, you think pack pride's fun? Just have a real state fan in front of you explain what happens to them, and you're like, man, I I don't know, but that's pretty hilarious, right? That's basically, that, that's why you and I get get along so well. Is that the NC State fans are Purdue fans? Like, it's it's like the, the more things. <laughs> are different the more they're the same you know like yeah. where it's you start comparing and they're the engineering notes, so. school you yes. know what I mean? like yes. they're, they're, they're like looking at each other and and they're so mad about indiana and north carolina right like yes. they, they are so upset about that because they're like we're better than them but we're getting screwed and then the indiana and the carolina fans just go uh -huh, that's funny <laughs> <laughs> and it drives them crazy oh my god um <laughs> Shout out to uh, Matt Meyer uh, going to uh, Illinois. That was uh, that was yeah. great for the Big Ten. That is uh, it's the Big Ten's I, year next year, Tate. The Big Ten's gonna 
No, for I real, like Illinois, that team. Illinois really got like an interesting team. team. I'm a little. Uh, I have a wait and see approach to it because they, 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 it feels like they could be Texas of of next year. You know, yeah. But they just have like these transfers that they threw together that that were really good that uh, individually. But how do they play as a team? I don't know. We'll see. So, tech, by the way, Texas might be the Texas of, <laughs> of last I think year. Texas is, gonna I think Texas is always going to be the Texas. Um, but that that's the era of college basketball we find ourselves in is where like I I, I don't mean to pour cold water on Illinois fans because you should be excited about uh, wh- where things are heading some of the moves that have been made in the offseason but at the same time um, I, I don't necessarily think it's th- this is not the NBA where you just sign free agents and find a way to make it work college yeah. basketball does not until I have proof that it can work that way I'm going to work under the assumption that it's not like I'm going to take a wait and see approach to these yes, teams. but it looks great on paper, which it does look great on paper. And right now we're in the off season and we're talking about things on paper. And that was cool to see Matt Meyer come to the big 10. So, yeah, I'm excited about it too. I was, you know, Carolina was in the running for this. I was in Chapel Hill and uh, I asked about Matt Meyer. They said that they really wanted to get him on campus because they thought that would change his opinion. And uh, Matt Meyer said, I do not need to see anything other than digits. And uh, <laughs> Illinois came in. <laughs> Made it happen. So we got your that guy of the year. We got your digits right here. Um, <laughs> speaking of Baylor, uh, Matt Meyer coming from Baylor. Uh, shout out to uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, I believe is their last name. Um, yeah, I think so. My mother and father love their show, and I've <laughs> I've seen it on the television here as I'm staying with my parents in Indy. Um, and my mom pointed out to me. She's like, "Remember those people, those Baylor people that they kept showing at the Baylor Kansas game?" And you said you had no idea who they were. And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "This is their network." And I was like, "I'm sorry, network?" And she goes, "Yeah." They have a whole network, like an Oprah situation where they just What? Show. They have a network now? That's what she said. And uh, I was like, why would they do that? Like, who watches this garbage? And she was like, your father and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, like, we oh, love it. Mark. We're huge fans. <laughs> well, shout out to So I, I know a little bit more about Chip and Joanna Gates, and I apologize to the uh, whole Gaines family for uh, my slanderous uh, comments. Well, now you understand Baylor basketball a little bit yeah. more. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You understand Waco. Um, I want to shout out Tony Hinkle as well. Uh, the namesake of Hinkle Fieldhouse with the Butler Bulldogs, your 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 nineteen twenty four national champion Butler Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Uh call home the nine and seven nineteen twenty four <laughs> national champions. Um Tony At Hinkle. At least they t- say the AAU championship. North Carolina won yeah. the Helm championship. You get they won the AAU championship. You guys. So I, I like they said you guys. Like I'm yeah, on no, staff you're, at Butler. You're a bulldog. <laughs> bulldog in my book. Um so uh, uh, I'm here in India. I went I went to uh, Hinkle yesterday and 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 saw Coach Mata and uh, Greg and you know Greg, Greg was giving me the tour of Hinkle, which is hilarious because I've honestly gotten a t- Hinkle tour <laughs> no less than seven thousand times in my life. Um, but I'm I'm going through Hinkle Fieldhouse and I did the tour served this purpose, Tate. I saw something I've never seen, which is this little sign. Uh, uh, uh they have the shrine to Tony Hinkle, and there's this little sign. Uh, that, that explains that Tony Hinkle invented the orange basketball. That until Tony Hinkle came along, um, everyone was playing with like the brown basketball with laces, yeah, like, super brown ball. And then Tony Hinkle was like, "We need to to add some pep Brighten to this." this. Thing up. Yeah. Brightened it, made it orange, and then my my mind's going crazy because I'm like, "Oh my god, that was the NCAA tournament this year with the super orange ball." Tony Hinkle invented this. Mm. This is this is this is insane. This is it, it's all coming full circle. Butler to the title game. Manny Bates. Yeah, Butler, yeah, to the yeah. Title game. Now that like we're playing it. with an orange ball, Thadmod is back at Butler. Oh my God, it's all happening, and uh, that's where I arrived. So shout out to Tony Hinkle for inventing an orange basketball. I'm not really sure why he did this, but he did it. 
It's like I mean, for vision, probably he probably had like an astigmatism, but nobody knew yeah. what it was back then. And he was like, "Can we just make this brighter so I can see this ball?" And shout yeah, out it, to shout out, for giving a tour. Yeah, and I, shout out to John Diebler uh, taking an extended vacation as a college basketball coach. You who are not supposed to really take vacations, but John Diebler uh, was not here all weekend. I asked when he's going to. I texted him, asked when he's going to be back. He said he'll be back Wednesday. So. Uh, John gets put on staff at Butler and immediately takes like seven days off, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Like this, this man does not work at all. The, the, the least hardest working man in all of college basketball is John Diebler and uh, <laughs> shout out to him for that. That's a title that's hard to come by. And the good news is that he's never going to hear this. So, I yeah, mean, exactly. he, he will never know that you said that. And, in fact, he'll be like, Mark, I mean, I appreciate you supporting. It wasn't uh, even in Indy. I was like, I was like, where are you? And he's like, I'm not going to be there. And I said, are you recruiting? He's like, no, I'm, I'm back in Ohio just chilling. And I was like, what? <laughs> We're Who trying to win killed? a national championship, dude. Like, what are you doing chilling? <laughs> like, there are recruits to see. Like, what are you – what's going on here? Oh my god! I think that I think, Thad, I think Thad probably hears this and thinks you know rethinks that decision. You know I what I mean? So. He's, he's yeah. like, uh, I need I need Mark Titus. Fire John Diebler. Fire John Diebler and hire me. Oh, uh, one more shout out. Uh, I'm drinking out of my mother's uh, Purdue Boilermakers 1997 NCAA Women's uh, National Championship coffee mug here. So uh, I want to shout out to the uh, 99 Purdue women who uh, won the national title. People forget Purdue did win a national championship state in basketball. It was just the women's side. Yeah, which goes back to NC State. The, women, the women's basketball team is great at NC State. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe maybe that's what we do for NC State and Purdue. We we shout out the women's basketball teams. Yukari Figs, Stephanie White, uh, Katie Douglas, and and the gals, Carolyn Peck. I remember all those girls. They beat Duke in the title game. Yeah, that? love that. There you go. There you go. Um, any other shout outs? Is that it? That's all I got. I mean, I, I'm excited to be back in Los Angeles. I'm excited to do yeah. a show in person again on uh, Thursday. But, yeah, it's been nice to be at home. And thank you to uh, all the friends of the program for uh, listening to us just, you know, bitch about the NBA. It's uh, <laughs> it's yeah. a nice – No, we'll lock, back, we'll, we'll, we'll lock back in. We're going we're gonna to enjoy the finals. It's going to be a good finals. I, 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 I believe it. I trust it. I'm not going to win. Uh, and if not, again, we're, they're, they're, hockey's right there, dude. We can always yeah. pivot. We can always yeah. pivot. I'm ready. I know. You just, you say I mean, the look, word. the Rangers ruined my night and broke my heart. But uh, now I – I think I'm going to move on uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, for Dickie V. I think okay. I'm going to pull for Tampa Bay because uh, I want Dickie Dude, V to get Did you see how the Avalanche beat the Blues? The yeah. series clincher, and the, yeah. the slap shot off the board. Oh, my God. The Avalanche, I think, will win, but I'm going to pull for the Lightning. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm and I and I'm pulling for the Avalanche on a separate side of my brain for for you and Allison. So, right. uh, you know, either way, is, if we get to the title where it's Tampa Bay, Colorado, I think we I think we're all winners here, and I think we do fully pivot to an NHL podcast. And uh, <laughs> R.I.P. to the NBA. <laughs> all right, we'll be back uh, after Game One, locking back in. Vacation's over. It's time for the hardest working man in show business to uh, to get back after it. But uh, yeah, that's the show. We will uh, see you guys on Friday. Thank you.